For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone. This is John Parrott, and you're listening to The Local Youth Worker, a daily podcast presented by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm here today with Jonathan McGuire. Um, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Um, He's the assistant pastor in Belzona, Mississippi. Is it First Pres? First Presbyterian Church. It's the only Presbyterian church. Okay, yeah. In Belzona, Mississippi, out in the Delta. Um, Well, if you're new to the show, uh, I'll ask our guests one question each day, and we'll discuss that one question and possibly have some follow-up questions or other questions related to that. Um, But we want to keep this a short, concise podcast uh, for our listeners. Um, Jonathan, how about we just start off, you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been in ministry, family, all that good stuff. Well, I am married. Uh, My wife and I have been married for a number of years. We have four kids, ranging in age from soon to be uh, all the way up to 11 years old. So we kind of run the gamut of a small church plant ourselves. And with all the difficulties that are involved there, uh, we homeschool, uh, not out of some principled disgust with the school system, but simply because that works best for our family. And so it's, it's provided a unique opportunity to experience sin in the family and to teach grace and model compassion as well as all of our kids are learning at different speeds and memorizing scripture at different speeds. And one of them not memorizing at all. That's difficult <laughs> as well, but it's, it's been a fun experience. Uh, I have been in ministry going on 18 years. Uh, so, shortly after I was converted in college, uh, I received a call from a church overseas when I barely knew what ministry was and hardly knew how to read or teach the Bible. And it was a result of that year living overseas, trying to teach students from 6th to 12th grade who were from all over Europe and the United States, some from Africa, that I realized if I did nothing else with my life but study scripture and teach it, I would die happy. Mm. And so 18 years later, I'm an assistant pastor at a Presbyterian church in the Mississippi Delta, as you said, and have been there for a little over two years, and hopefully we'll be there till the day we're buried. Man. So small town ministry is a different thing all in, in and of itself, uh, but we are blessed to be there. Yeah, excellent. Man, that's, that's a good story. I mean, that sounds like an entirely separate podcast to hear some of that. Probably so. Um, But that's excellent. Well, again, thanks for joining us on the show today. Um, I was going to ask you some five basic questions that we ask a lot of uh, youth pastors. And I know you said you're assistant pastor, so you wear a lot of different hats, I'm sure. Sure. Um, But the first question I wanted to ask you is, what's the best thing you've done uh, in ministry? And this could be a lot of different things. It could be a retreat, um, some kind of Bible study uh, curriculum that you've used, uh, but some some things that have been beneficial to your ministry that you think might be helpful to others. Yeah, I, I hear some of those things, and I think those are usually the worst things I do in ministry. <laughs> uh, retreats have always worn me out badly and usually stress the families out as well, so I, I have never enjoyed those, and I don't do them anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's a luxury of 18 years of youth ministry I can pick and choose at this point. But uh, really the best thing I have done is remembering the way I think about it is the man, the message, and the ministry, or the method. Uh, 
the man who should be in ministry doing youth is a man who doesn't look at youth as the primary purpose of salvation. Christ has spoken to save a church. He is the head of the body, not the head of the youth group. So when I try to remember what it is I'm doing and who I am, I have to remember that I'm not their friend. I'm not just here to talk to them and hear their stories and nod my head and slap them on the back and send them out. A coach can do that. But I have to remember I'm an ambassador of Christ, and it took a lot of years of not being that for me to realize that's what I was supposed to do. So I would say the, the best thing I have done is, over time, the hard way, learned what Christ is calling the youth ministry to be. And I know there are guys out there who uh, look down on youth ministry and think it's a disaster of modern development. To some extent, it is a very modern development. But your church has children in it. There's going to be ministry to children. The question is, what are we doing? And when I recall that I am an ambassador to Christ, my job is not first to plan retreats. It's not first to go to baseball games or football games. It's not first even to plan parties or, or whatever it is. My, my job is to be an ambassador of Christ. And I still mistake that role. But it's been beaten into my head so many times from reading scripture and sitting in church myself that I think my ministry functions at its best when I remember what I'm supposed to do. And second, my message, because I am an ambassador of Christ, the best thing I've been able to do over the years is to chisel at my identity to the point where what is irrelevant is torn away. And I, I am there to call students to reconciliation with Christ because there is a day coming, it is appointed unto a man once to be judged, once to die and after that to receive judgment. And there is a holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And if this is not driving what we do, then what are we driving at? And third, the, the, the method itself. Uh, I, I recall what worked best for me when I was a kid really wasn't youth pastors. I remember one lesson I had that a youth pastor gave, and it was only because it so scandalized my ears. It was about men and their sexual lust. And it so scandalized my young middle school ears that I never forgot it. Uh, but what I have benefited from most were people in the church, especially the elderly, loving me asking me how I was, and my parents teaching me catechism. Now, they taught me catechism because that was the only way I could get my own pet. So if I wanted a cat, I had to memorize the catechism and say it before our session, our elders. And I did that, so I got my cat. But those answers have stuck with me in understanding that there is a deep doctrinal foundation. If the method we're in, uh, that, that we're using to engage in ministry contradicts the doctrinal foundation or displays a shallowness of thinking, then it really doesn't matter what else we're doing. Uh, we're hurting the church. And so all the things that could be done in youth ministry, the things that have had to be done that, that I have thankfully over time learned from others mm -hmm. and figured out the hard way was to remember who I am, to remember what my message is, and to make sure my method is crystal clear and not contradicting the earlier two. So that's, that's been very helpful. Mm. And that's excellent. I mean, we could just close in prayer right there. I mean, that's... that's <laughs> Just very good perspective because it is. I mean, I found myself so often in ministry getting sidetracked by other things. And I mean, as you brought up planning for trips and things like that, um, you know, oftentimes you just get into the logistics of getting people in vans and making sure the mills are taken care of and get the packing lists and all that stuff. And you realize, oh, we haven't really prayed for this 
retreat and we haven't thought about, okay, the reason we're putting on this retreat is so students can see their beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ, and um, it's so easy to lose sight of that. Um, so that's good to hear that perspective. Yeah, um, you, you triggered something else in my head, too. Uh, I can think of times where I thought activity equaled godliness, happiness equaled holiness, and so I thought that as long as students were happy and smiling, things were okay, and uh, nothing could be further from the truth, especially if what statistics tell us half your youth group is introverts who don't know how to walk into a room and smile. And I can look at them and think, oh, what, what, is the sin, what are the sins that are bogging them down? Why can't they be happy in the Holy Spirit? And, and learning those lessons took a long time. Uh, I think about retreats and how if, if retreats are supposed to show us the, the wonderful Savior that we have, they can certainly do that. But it's very hard, isn't it, as a, as a youth pastor, and I know you've done this many years as well. This is now my 17th year of youth ministry and my 18th of, of just ministry. It can be very hard to remember that a student's primary small group is their parents and their siblings. And to the extent we plan activities that draw them away from that small group, and then we're meeting with parents and asking them, how well are you teaching your kids the faith? We're talking out of both sides of our mouth. And it's very hard sometimes to weigh the value of an activity compared to the message and the method and the person we're trying to be to families in the church. Mm -hmm. And there's not a, a one-size-fits-all. Again, this is where somebody who hates youth ministry and thinks it's the demise of everything wonderful in the church would come alongside and say, just do away with all of it. Send them to their parents. But, it, and I don't want to simply appeal to pragmatism or my own experience, but of course, there have been plenty of people who have come to every youth pastor and thanked them for the work they're doing with their kids. But something that youth ministers often have that parents can't, and this is where we can work really well with them and help them, is youth, the culture of today and the youth culture has changed on many levels. The students functionally don't think the same way their parents do. Uh, some of this is, is, has to do with neurology. Their brains are changing based on the devices they're obsessed with and, and addicted to. And neurological studies show us that to the extent we stare at a screen, we don't read the same. We don't interact with human beings the same. And parents who are 35 or 40 years older and remember a time before the internet are raising kids who don't know anything except life with Wi-Fi. And, and it helps to have a youth minister who's, who spends a lot of his time thinking and understanding the culture. He's a missionary to a whole segment of a population that hopefully will grow up in Christ. And we can help them navigate those waters. Uh, but I'm also very cautious of my own desire sometimes to step in the parental role for these kids and to be a role that I was not called to be. I myself have a small group, my own family. And I have to be faithful there before I give everything to students. And though you didn't ask, I would say one of my biggest mistakes in ministry has always been to do too much activity for others and neglect my own personal small group that has been sovereignly ordained for my benefit and my family's sanctification, and that's wife and children. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem that I try to keep in the forefront of my mind. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that's a good segue, because uh, that's something we're going to talk about tomorrow, but um, that's a lot of good stuff, Jonathan. I really appreciate that. Anything else you want to add to that before we finish? That's it. All right. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Sure.